0: Hi Pompey fans, and welcome to PO4 class Episode 126. Improved, fighting, it's a point, but it's a step in the right direction. Joining the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hello, Bunks.
2: Yeah, not too bad, thank you, buddy. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good, mate, to be honest. And, uh, well, we're going to come and talk about the game, but just generally things are going well for me. Looking forward to getting down Fratton Park again on Saturday meeting up with all you boys.
2: Yeah, this is the weekly uh, uh, Staggeringly Good Brewery shout out for being the best place to get booze before the game. Absolutely.
0: We should definitely get some sort of sponsorship from this, shouldn't we? Because you just bang on about how good the brewery is. I mean, I didn't want to say at the time, but when Sunderland came down and we managed to tell all that lot about it, they must have got hundreds of customers. They did get hundreds of customers because you mentioned it. Obviously, I didn't really want to mention it in case it got a little bit feisty until afterwards. But obviously it all went really well. So, you know, the brewery should be repping us, shouldn't they, Fred?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't they at this point? And and whenever we meet up, we go there before a game, so why not? Also, all three
2: of us back on the pod again. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? It has indeed. It has indeed. You do this. You get very sentimental. You're a bad massive softie with a big beard. Always. That's a cuddly, cuddly, deadly, barefoot.
0: All right, boys, let's get into it. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Accrington. Full on from that, we put the question out to you guys. And thank you, everybody, for your questions, your responses, etc. It really makes the show. And we asked you guys, Pompey's improved performance against Accrington got him a 2-2 draw. However, how can we turn those improved performances into wins? And finally, we're going to preview the game on Saturday against Bolton Wanderers. Let's go, boys. Come on, Accrington. Started off brightly. Lovely first goal there by Ronan Curtis. The movement's decent. Lee Brown and Ronan Curtis linking up. That's the sort cool of thing that gets me excited at night. Don't think that's the best comment to say. <laughs> what was it Ronan...
2: last week with Sam? It's like going down or something. Two like players, going down, Two
0: players going down on each other. Two players <laughs> going
2: down on each other. This week it's um what keeps you up at night.
0: Boys, the link up play was improved, wasn't it? But first of all, before we get onto the running Curtis goal, actually, let's start at the beginning. The the effort, the performance, we looked a lot more solid, didn't we? First to certain balls. Andy, can you describe just as an overhaul how the team improved all over the pitch?
2: Yeah, I think the the fact that Danny Kakowy spit the bullet a little bit and changed the formation, which is what we thought would we were calling for last week, is probably you know, pragmatically the right decision. I think that made a big difference in terms of having a base to build out from from the back. I thought we looked better exploiting the wings. I thought Hackett looked really dangerous on the right-hand side. And the number of chances we created from those wide positions, it just looked a lot more threatening than what has been a little bit blunt with the exception of, you know, the Sunderland game in in recent weeks. And yeah, it just looked a, a much more coherent gelled performance and you mentioned there Curtis and Brown on the left I think as I said Hackett on the right looked confident on the ball and you know they were running at the opposition players and forcing the defending opposition players into making tough decisions as well you know to come to the man or track a different man and when you put a team under pressure consistently like that and you put individuals under pressure consistently like that then you're gonna score you know one or more goals in the game and I felt like in the uh, in the Ipswich game I could have counted sort of on one hand if that the amount of times we managed to do that to the Ipswich back line but it happened for the, you know the vast majority of that Accrington game where as we'll come on to should have scored probably quite a few more than, than we did on an average on an average day.
0: Absolutely. We're going to get on to the volume of chances that Pompey created and, and that a little bit later on. But Freddie, what I want to know from you is the change we're all crying out for. Go back to the back four. We need to sort of shore this up a little bit. The back three wasn't working with current personnel anyway. So I just want you to let me know what you thought of the back four. And I know we can see it at two goals, but we were a lot more solid, weren't we?
1: Absolutely. The, the, the back four laid the foundation of how this side played um, completely. there, there was a lot less space for the opposition to deal with in the wide areas you, there weren't those situations where the centre-halves either, either side of Raggett were out of position or there was space it definitely closed it tight but uh, but um, the fear of taking away Pompey's attacking impetus by going to the back four wasn't there because the front floor the front four played very fluidly very aggressively off the ball which is great and also Williams and morell that partnership also did very well Um, Romeo managed to drop back into the right-back role really well and did his defensive duties properly. Uh, Ogilvy and Raggett looked fairly solid and I think most of of the goals were down to uh, silly silly errors which we've seen a lot of this season but I wouldn't say it was caused by a systematic problem. But yeah, progress with the back four and I think that's what Danny Cowley is going to keep until he actually has the squad depth to play the 3-5-2 again.
2: Yeah, I think we've got to keep it until you know, either it goes completely wrong or Robertson's available uh, as a as a minimum for me.
1: But even then, um, who's going to play at right-sided centre-back? If it, You'll have Raggett in the middle, you'll have Robertson on the left side of centre-half when he's fit. Who would you have on the right? Freeman? I don't think Freeman's played it that well at that position, I don't think.
0: No, it's definitely one of the situations at the moment where I'm still a little bit confused as to who would play on that side. Could you play Raggett on the, on the right? I mean, he's, he's obviously better in that middle position, isn't he? Where he's sort of like the aerial dominant player, the player who goes up against their centre forward. That's really where his strengths are. I'm not sure about him drifting wide in, in a, in a, on a back three.
1: No, no, he has to stay in the middle. Has to stay in the middle. If you remember last season when in the back four, whenever he was dragged out uh, out wide one-on-one against a fast, uh, pacey, aggressive striker, he, he was left on his heels. Uh, He's yeah in the back in the back three he plays really well by staying central and he's played really really well this season he's improved considerably I think but I think we need to play to his strengths rather than his weaknesses really.
0: So let's get on to the first goal that I spoke about quickly earlier on. Good link up play of Lee Brown down that side, which is what we wanted to see. You were thinking a little bit when you changed to that back four. Obviously, the wing-back's going to be playing a little bit further back, so it was good to see that link-up play as well for me down that side. Ronan Curtis does exactly what he does best, which is stepping inside, finds a little bit of space, sort of drifts in that hole, takes a shot on his right foot across the keeper... He sort of gets, you know, okay connection, doesn't he? Goes into the back of the net. I was thinking maybe the keeper could have got a hand to it, but you know, not. Let's not take away from the goal in that sense. From that point, boys, do you think that instilled the confidence? Did Pompey need to score first in this game in order to sort of establish some some sort of momentum going forward?
2: I think it was definitely beneficial away from aside from the fact that it was obviously putting us a goal up. But as you say, they they started well before the goal, so it was, it was a deserved goal. By the time they scored, you know, and. We've talked a bit this season about how Pompey haven't capitalised when we've had those purple patches during games. And it was nice to see that, you know, started fast, had a purple patch in the first 15, 20 minutes, and not only, you know, put a good period of play together, creating chances, but actually capitalised on that and scored. So I think, yeah, it it was a good time to score early in the game, but it also definitely gave some sort of impetus to to keep the pressure on. And it was nice to see that even after scoring, you know, Pompey kept creating chances. It wasn't a case of sitting back. And we've talked about the team's response to both scoring and conceding goals in that it can be a little bit flat, uh, whether we've, yeah, whether we've scored or conceded, the response immediately post is a bit off. Um, and it was nice to see that that wasn't the case here today for, for either after we scored or after we went 2-1 down.
0: And then the game changes. Is It's a corner that comes in it's a nice header at the back post. He plays it across the goal and it's a little flick on which takes it away from Banzo. Nothing he can do about that one. There's no one's going to be saying that's his fault from the deflection on, on the corner. It's 1-1. You think, all right, game on. Here we go. Here we go. And then from there, Pompey managed to, to go 2-1 down and you think it's against the whole run of play. At some point, Pompey have got the shots going forward. We're looking decent. Did you, at that point, Freddie, think... Maybe this is one of those games, again, that a good performance in the first half happens to be that Pompey can't come back and get into it.
1: I definitely thought that at the time because of the previous matches that we've seen. Even when, after conceding the first goal from Pell, it was obviously deflection over a corner. He, he was left unmarked, but it's still a bit unlucky. There were still some really good chances. Curtis pressured on the right-hand side with his shot that cleared off the line by obviously Matt Butcher from Denmead, who we don't need to mention where he's from every two minutes, like usual. There was that, and then harness with the one on Rot one after Lee Brown drifted central and putting that lovely through ball to him. Pulse have had chances; they they didn't buckle after the first goal, which was fairly surprising, considering we've seen that multiple times before. And I don't think they buckled after the second goal either. It was a bit. It was just a second example of a tiny, a slightly bad defending. I don't think Romeo pressured. Uh, the Aquinton player on the right-hand side enough for me, and there was a man advantage on that side, and it just happens. It was a lovely finish by Butcher as well. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that throughout the game, Pompey didn't mentally cave in. They didn't give up. They kept on with that a- a- aggressive, high pressing football with the incisive passes through the middle and out wide along the floor, like we've been expecting, and like, which is what supporters wanted from last season we loads of positives to take out from the game, but hey, I think it's what one we've won, what two two games and fourteen in all competitions, or something stupid along those lines. Uh, so it's it's going to even even though these performances are really solid, I think the results will have to turn around at some point.
0: Yeah, I think I'm just a little bit hyped up for the fact that the performance was there as such, and I think that. We we carried on going, as you say, we're 2-1 down, 86 minutes in, we're pressuring Accrington, putting them under pressure, away from home, pressing up, and that turns into a ball that John Marcus manages to get in the box and, and square the ball across, and Marquez harness to tap home, 86 minutes in, draw the game level, I thought that we weren't going to get an equaliser at that point, maybe she had a bit more faith, but you know, recent results mean that I didn't. But that's what we need to see. If we can just do that, sustain for 90 minutes and these chances, you've got to think, and I know he's been speaking about this before, when eventually these goals will come for Marquis and other players. But if we play like that every week, we're going to win some games, aren't we, Andy?
2: I think so. It's a very different type of game to some of the other draws we've had this season or some of the close defeats in that they really managed to put the performance together for a large proportion of the game. And the quality of the chances created was really, really good. It wasn't sort of half chances here or there that, you know, you might, might sneak in one time out of every three or four in terms of XG. It was very much a case of you'd expect a number of these chances to go in every single game. And it was an a mixture of, to be fair, really good defending from Accrington in terms of that, the ball off the line from the Curtis chance. And the keeper had a bit of a day out as well, made some really good saves. And I think you've just got to take your off a little bit to that. And there's, there's, I don't think there was a huge amount to really critique the team for. Obviously, you don't want to concede too, um, too often, but the, the Accrington-Stanley goals, they were quite nice goals, to be fair. Uh, I know we're not here to sit here and massage the ego of other teams. It's not really how we go about our business, but they were two quite nice goals from Accrington-Stanley. There weren't any horror show performances from the, the Pompey side, and they created a lot more clear-cut chances than Accrington-Stanley did away against the team that traditionally, you know, well, they they prevented us from being in the playoffs last game of last season, so the potential was there for the memories to be there from that, that um, couple of matches at the end of last season. So I really don't think there's too many negatives to take away from it. It's, it's frustrating that they didn't get the three points, but I'd have taken a two-all draw before the game quite comfortably, particularly if you told me it would have been that sort of performance.
1: What would you say to those people who say, but Pompey have to beat teams like Accrington Stanley
2: because Why? that's
1: because that's the mindset that a lot of Pompey fans have, and to a certain extent, it's where's right. the divine right?
2: Why do we have that divine right? Oh, no, there
1: isn't. I don't think there is anyway. Because Accrington uh, teams like Accrington and Burton, yes, they yes they're they're smaller clubs in terms of attendances, but but they overplay their stature leaps and bounds every time. It's just yeah. So some people would be frustrating that we can't that Pompey still can't. Beat these sorts of sides on a fairly regular basis when the aim's promotion every season.
0: I mean, I think when you say these sort of sides, I think Accrington, Burton, these are the sort of teams that are sort of like upper mid-table teams, really, who try and flirt with the flirt with the playoffs a little bit in, in sort of stature. So teams like insert, I suppose you could only base that on teams that aren't really making the playoffs or aren't in the in the top six or, or something like that. But actually, when you're talking about teams like and a uh, how big the club is or whatever, or the budget and things like that. It's sort of a, a little bit irrelevant really to the fact we're not seeing ourselves really this season as being a, a top two, even top six team. So at the same time, I suppose it's, it's irrelevant of the size of the club. And th- these teams like Accrington are actually always competitive, always difficult to play against, especially in their sort of small little pitch they've got up there. And I think it's always good to get a result against them. If you can get a point at Accrington and get a win potentially at home, I think that's a pretty good turnaround for a team, of someone of that sort of stature.
1: Oh, I think so too. Um, Because it's quite obvious that uh, that Coleman definitely gets the best out of that Accrington side with the way they play. They always get stuck in. They're always on the front foot. It's just that for some Pompey fans, they still have that mindset of oh, well, I'm not thinking of what this team actually is. I'm thinking. They're they're looking at the ground and the amount of fans in, the stature and the external factors that you know people, the emotional external factors that people think about, but sometimes have little bearing of what's going on on the pitch.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think it has too much bearing on it. One of the things I was going to say that we sort of were worried about or concerned about, I suppose, or not even just us, but was widely reported, was that the change to three at the back, although it was leaky defensively, did provide some sort of attack as well going forward. You know, we struggled in the game against Wigan and some of the games around that period when we were sort of at the four at the back and really creating hardly any chances at all. My big takeaway from this game is we switched the four at the back and we you know, we, get, we create 19 shots and a lot of clear-cut chances. Morel in the centre and Williams, I was a little bit concerned that they would maybe run into each other a little bit too much. though for them maybe try and dictate tempo a bit and I was sort of maybe a bit concerned that they'd be working against each other a little bit in the way they play but that really wasn't the case. Andy, do you feel that it was the right way to go ahead with Williams there rather than maybe playing Ryan Tunnicliffe whose performances have dropped off a little bit in recent weeks?
2: Yeah, with the uh, the gift of 2020 hindsight, I think it was a wonderful decision, and it is uh, exactly what we'd have been uh, calling for before the game. So yeah, 2020 hindsight, it's a, a real benefit there. But yeah, I quite like the the shape of the team. We've got just because we've got three very competent central midfield players who fit the system slightly differently in Williams, Morel, and Tunnicliffe. and then obviously you've got players like Thompson as well as options. It doesn't mean we need to be playing all three of them at the same time. It shouldn't. You know, that's not what you want in terms of having depth in a position. It shouldn't dictate the formation you're playing just because you think that these three people all could be starters and you wouldn't know who to drop. So, yeah, I think choosing to play two of the three or choosing to start two of the three, in this case, Williams and Morrell, I thought they complemented each other pretty well and yeah gave a good base so that the players who were driving forward more, that front four we talk about, had a lot more freedom to actually commit bodies forward, which is why we created so many chances from wide positions because we had so many people just bombing into the box. Those central players don't have the ability to do that or don't have the opportunity to do that if they feel like they're having to stay a little bit deeper because we're not taking any control of the defensive part of centre midfield. So we've talked in the past about Marquis dropping deep in some games. and I'm I'm not sure where he was on the heat map for this game. I've not seen it. But the fact that we had that... Solid base in the centre of midfield meant that players like Marquis and Harness could really commit to attacking attacking the box centrally and getting on the end of balls in from players like Curtis and Hackett Fairchild, who were yeah again having that freedom down the wings.
0: Yeah, Marcus Harness is on a, on a tear up, isn't he? Like you know, despite the you know the woes at Portsmouth, Harness is actually coming through and scoring goals for us in, in a good way. And we're always saying about taking those chances to make a run make those runs and hopefully if you get into the right positions, you'll be able to convert it. And that's exactly what happened for that. The goal really at the end, Marcus Harness makes that run to the back post and he's in the right place at the right time just to tap that in. That's where we're going to score goals. If people like that keep making those chances and to be honest, Harness is just, he's he's been, he's been really good in my opinion, Fred.
1: I've liked, I've really liked the way he played centrally in this game. In the number 10, I've really, really liked it. It helps that Rico Hackett has improved for me so much from when I, when I saw him on the right-hand side. I'm trying to remember which game it was when he was on the right-hand side. I think it was maybe Fleetwood at the beginning of the season. It would take him ages to get the ball, shift the ball onto his strong foot. He's clearly worked on that a lot in training. He's much better at that now. His close control, his close control is much better. and It allows Marcus Hines to be not only the playmaker in that front four, but also kind of like what what Gareth Evans used to do, be the late runner into the penalty area, find the space and tuck in the chances when he gets to it. Because Harness, Harness is a reasonable finisher. So he could so he could do that. And also he's able to link up really well. Sometimes he skews his chances and it's frustrating. I think he should have done better with the one-on-one he had, I think, where he shifted it onto his wrong foot. But no, I like Harness playing centrally and I like that front four. I don't think I know it's only one game. But who else would you switch out of that front four with Harness in the 10, with Hackett on the right side, Curtis on the left and Marcus up top? What would you change if you would anything?
0: Well, I don't think you should change anything at all. I think it was it was good performance from the front players. And again, keep going at like that. And I think the goals will come. And when you've got players like Curtis scoring, you've got Harness scoring, Rico looking good. And he's been good for a, for a goal as well. So... Just keep creating those chances, boys. Keep rotating. I like the way it's fluid. I like the way people can change it a little bit out of positions, that it's not set. If one player makes an inside run, someone else can drift out wide right, for instance. So I'm a big fan and I'm I'm happy how things are progressing in this game. Let's hope it moves on from there.
1: And also, John Marcus's heat map for that game. Inside the penalty area and in that pocket of space, right around where the number 10 is and a bit on the right. So he's clearly not just central all the time, which... Stereotypically, whatever would want to have a centre-forward. He's, he, he's fluid, moving around all over the place, but far enough where he should be. He's not
0: dropping deep too much. No, absolutely. Um, Andy, anything else to say on this game or should we move it on to the next part of the pod?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty much all she wrote, isn't it, for this? I, it was a solid enough performance, but we say we don't get crazy low after a couple of bad losses and start calling for crazy big decisions. Similarly, we don't get... Crazy, crazy high after one solid performance. So They've got to consolidate this by backing it up on uh, on Saturday against Bolton. Otherwise, it counts for very, very little. So, yeah, strong performance. Nice to have a bit of a, a foothold potentially, but there's a lot of work to be done because, you know, if we're looking, zooming out a little bit, the form over the last 10-15 still isn't good enough overall. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a foothold. It's a step in the right direction, but we've got to back it up in the game we're about to preview.
0: Yeah, you're right. And let's not get giddy about a 2-2 draw, but at the same time, it was just nice to see some sort of purpose, some sort of shape, some sort of pressure, you know, all those sort of things that have been missing over the last (laughs) while. That's the worst I want to use to describe that. But all right, let's get into the next bit. So we put out to you guys and we said it was an improved performance on Saturday as Pompey drew 2-2 of Accrington. How can Pompey turn improved performances into those golden wins? And thanks again, everyone, for messaging in. It's appreciated massively. It makes the podcast. We all appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoy listening to it. So let's move on. And the first person to message in is Luke Ellis. He says, it's the thing that worries me the most. When we play badly, we get absolutely battered. When we play well, Plymouth, Cholton, Aki, we're still only drawing when we should have won. Had we won those, we'd have six more points and all we'll be feeling very different. On top of that, Robertson being out for a potential injury to, or a potential injury to Brown or Ruggett, both only, or both on four bookings too scares me. Yeah, so let's start at the beginning of that, I suppose. Yeah, well, obviously, if we'd won those games, Plymouth, Charlton, Aki, etc., we would be feeling a lot better in some ways. But I still think with the performances we have when we've lost and got battered, would we'll be how much better would be we, we we'd be feeling about it.
2: I think quite a lot better, to be honest, because we'd be in seventh or, well, realistically, eighth on goal difference if we'd conceded one fewer goal in each of those games or scored one more goal in each of those games. And it's a lot, it's a lot easier to take a couple of batterings if you're around the playoffs than it is if you're in 16th to 18th, where we've been dwelling in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think it would have been easier, but I definitely agree with the point of. The concern being that when they are playing well it's not necessarily resulting in, in three points in some of these games but at the same time we went through spells under kenny jacket where we felt like we were playing reasonably well and getting nothing out of games whatsoever so i don't want to be sort of the disgustingly over positive person on a podcast that then gets pelters in the mentions but you know We could have come out of those games with nothing and we didn't. And you, you don't know how big those individual points are going to be come the end of the season. You know, we're 14 games in out of 46. So we're just under a third of the way through the season. And those one or two points could be everything by the time we get to 46 games played, hopefully at the top end of the table. But I definitely agree that it is a concern that when they play badly, they get pelted. And when they play well, it's a case of, you know, Even if we dominate the game, case in point, most of Accrington-Stanley game, we're still not dominating the score sheet with, again, the exception of uh, Sunderland, which was an awesome anomaly there.
0: Yeah, and Freddie, Lou comes up with a very good point in here of things you can be concerned about. So tick it on and add it to the list. But Raggett and Brown, both on four bookings at this moment in time for the season... What are we going to do if Raggett gets booked? Who, who are we going to shift in the centre-back? Is this going to be the, the time that Paul Missing Downing turns up and decides he's actually a footballer and slots into centre-back?
1: This was mentioned on the radio on Monday and I put that to the back of my head because Pompey had got barely any options. If, if Raggett or Brown go down, Ogilvy will have to play properly left-back. Uh, if Brown goes down, um, he, he won't have that impetus going forward. He'll be solid defensively. But if Raggett, gets that fifth booking and is suspended for a game my god <laughs> there's n- the- you'd probably have to play Kieran Freeman at right centre back
2: or Williams or
1: I think I'd rather just play Williams in midfield to be honest I think it, it offers him more whereas Freeman would Freeman play anyway if Romeo starts at right back that's probably the change that I would go with uh, Downing's probably still got a hamstring injury presumably so yeah there's <laughs> there's no options and I think that if there was just one transfer in January that I would like is a right-sided centre-half because we need one it's clear it's clear and obvious that Pompey are lacking in that regard it'll allow them to play the back three and it'll deal with their depth problems which they clearly have at the moment
0: centre-back then rather than top striker Andy from the Championship what are you saying?
2: Which top striker from the championship are you suggesting we're going to be picking up in January, Bunce? It's, it's, I mean, it's, a,
0: it's a hypothetical question of what you'd rather have. It's, not a, it's no inside information here.
2: All right, okay. Um, I would be on the same page as Fred there. I think it's very easy as football fans to call out for you know goal scoring number nine. But I think over the course of the season, we've got more support there that's going to contribute goals such as Curtis, Harness, Hackett, Williams, potentially Tunnicliffe, Jacob was, Jacobs will score a couple if he gets a chance, Aziz, um, Hadmi. There, there are other goals there. And I think if we lose Sean Raggett and we've lost Robertson at the same time and we have some sort of makeshift back four with potentially Freeman and Williams as centre-backs so if Downing is out as well, I mean, it's actually making my toes curl even talking about it. That I don't get that from looking up top I think there are, there are contingencies that we can create at the top that we are unable to blag at the back. And I think it's going to be very costly over a number of games if we have to blag at the back. So yeah, I'd be with Fred on that and suggest that a centre-back is the priority uh, in January.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, boys. Just had to put the question out there. And I was sort of laughing to myself whilst Andy was talking then because I was just... It's all you can do in that situation, thinking about that defensive problem at the back. You either laugh or you cry, really, when you think about the potential partnerships there. But yeah, if we we can get a really good centre-back in who can create a good partnership, I'd I'd be really happy. Um, Liam messages in. He says, Be more solid at the back. Cholton, Plymouth and Accrington games are all that we should have won but got let down by mistakes at the back. I think maybe this shift to the back four, Liam, hopefully will provide a bit more solidity. There was no silly mistakes, as Freddie talked about earlier on in the Accrington game. It was much more, you know, there were just two well-taken goals, nothing outrageous, and hopefully we can build on that as a platform moving forward and, yeah, try and solid up. Papa Booper Dave messages in. He says, we desperately need a centre-back in January. What room do we have in terms of budget, squad, size and loans? And who can we realistically go for? Fred, I know you're a big fan of the question in the middle of the season of who should we go out and sign as a centre-back. I believe you might have been mentioned on Express FM to come up with some potential transfer targets that it was the only thing you hadn't really prepped for to go on the radio. So I'm just going to fire that back over to you now and tell me, can you please list off players that you've been scouting for Papa Booba Dave? Oh,
1: for God's sake... <laughs> <laughs> oh, putting me on the spot again because I because I, I, I usually do the looking for players nearer January around December time. Well, on a quiet evening, I look at my spreadsheets and go, "Okay, we could have this centre half." And blah blah. blah. And this is
2: this is the podcast equivalent of my dog ate it, and I'm hundred percent not buying it. My yeah,
1: well, well, yeah, that's what I usually do, but but not at the moment. I haven't looked, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't looked yet, to be fair. Um, But it's clear that a new centre-back is needed, even if they're a youngster on loan. If they've got the tools of a ball-playing centre-back, then they should be okay. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, not not, not knowing that question um, on the radio was uh, slightly embarrassing.
2: Freddie, what about some sort of random Scandi centre-back, sort of another Nikolaisen mould player? Because I thought we did quite a good job here for the most part. I would... Happily taken back in a heartbeat at the moment. Um, He wouldn't come back in a heartbeat, I would imagine, as he's actually playing European football and on the bench at least in European football at the moment, which isn't quite the same as Accrington Stanley away. But potentially a player in that sort of mould.
1: Well, yeah, I I think so. I thought Nikolasa was reasonably okay. He had to deal with a lot when he was here. I mean, my God, with the with COVID and some of the gambling issues and whatever it was. Yeah, but, uh, but but when looking at Scandinavian side leagues, you have no idea if Pompey are actually able to sign them or not. It's very strange.
0: I mean, I'll jump in and say there's got to be someone out there. Is it like, you know, obviously Wrexham splashing big money on someone like Ben Tozer? Yeah, to, to stealing it from Cheltenham. There's got to be someone around there in the league that there will be players that we can pick up. It's whether Pompey are willing to pay a premium, I'd say, Dave, in January, because if you want to get someone's best players... In that time you have to pay more. I don't know how much budget's available, you know, at Eric Eisner. Maybe ask him. But at this at this moment in time, it's quite difficult to know what our budget is. But I assume maybe we'd have to get rid of someone to bring someone in or Exactly. More, I would assume or, yeah. that
1: um, any player who comes in, another will have about to be offloaded. Either one of the loans has to be terminated or one of the squad players has to be moved on, either or.
0: Yeah, and some of the loan players, for instance, at this moment are very fringe, aren't they? So it, it could be a loan for a loan sort of swap. And you look at players, people who have got players in before on loan, you know, Charlton, we have got Fameu in and people like that. So there are loan options available sometimes for centre-backs. So there will be options available, Dave, and I'm sure Danny Cowley's done a lot more research than Freddie so far on working out what centre-backs he can get in because it's it's a, it's a obvious. So I'm sure the team, the scouting network, everyone involved is trying to do that. Yep. I thought you wanted to say something.
2: No, no, i got very little to add to that. I think that's pretty apt. If it's if it's something that we've noticed, you would really hope it's something that people in the positions of power have noticed because uh, otherwise they should not be in the positions of power that they are in. So I'm, I, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. So I'm sure someone's picked up on the fact that having Paul Downing as first-choice centre-back um, replacement when you've got your starting centre-back on four yellow cards is not the optimal position to be in when you are trying to secure a decent position in league one yeah it's not not the most advanced football analysis is it but uh, it's definitely correct
0: what I can say Dave is that me and Freddie will spend the month of December trawling through stats talking to people etc and doing our usual things and when we get when it gets around to January we will have our January special transfer podcast where we'll have a guest on I think we had Gabe Sutton on before last time and we will go through people player by player, and we got a couple this time Fred we got Ogilvy so tick tick and uh, hopefully you'll get some more I was
1: going to say we actually hit on some of them it was always sad when oh we pointed out a name and uh, oh they, weren't even, they were taken by somebody else well, one of mine was Shane Lavery who ended up going to Blackpool I thought oh I'm going to look very clever I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring out a striker who scored over 20 goals in the Northern Irish League as an international and he's been poached by a championship team
0: not ideal Ah, shit happens. Alfie John messages in. He says, "We're far too leaky at the Wait, back."
2: Mate. Elton John,
0: Alfie John. Oh, that's
2: that's less celebrity, less exciting.
0: Alfie John messages in. He says, "We're far too leaky at the back. We're in the opposite situation, which we were in a while back. We're scoring but conceding too many. I think all that needs to happen is Ogilvy and Raggett have to gel quick as they're a brand new partnership." Mm-hmm. That's a fair point, isn't it? They can only hopefully go from strength to strength better at the back. We both rate We rate both players. Let's hope they can make some sort of partnership until Robertson gets back. I think that's fair to say, Andy, that when you look at them, we think Ogilvy's probably better inside than an, in, at left back, really. So let's hope the two of them get together and form a, a partnership of steel.
2: Is that an Elton John song or is it just a... Uh, no. I don't think so I don't even know yeah. any Elton John <laughs> we we'll used the one reference we had candle in the wind <laughs> what, what else we got um, Fred any other El- Elton John puns we can chuck in
1: I've known absolutely nothing about Elton John so
2: I can't really I can't really add to I thought he was your sort of vibe there Fred my bad did play um, that
0: song with the monkey in the Cadbury's advert is that Elton John no that's Phil Phil Collins isn't it?
2: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, <What>? we're musical like <laughs> absolute connoisseurs on here I'm just um, doing, like shit music that's why Oh, poor phil collins shit music are you serious elton john wow Ooh. gonna get pelted for that bunce quite rightly i'm gonna twitter abuse you after this for that elton john <laughs> is fucking awful mate yeah i mean who has that uh, what is it a 60 year music career must be shit just done, done, a collab, done a collab with eminem yeah must be shit
0: just because something's popular Andy doesn't make it good let's be honest yeah, his,
2: his live version of stan with eminem was sick it was so good they, they did a version where <laughs> elton john did it live instead of dido such a good cover from like 10, 15, well, 15 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, what was the question? Um, something about our certain defensive pairing. Um, so, yeah, time to gel. Very important. This is more in-depth analysis. Yeah, I think, yeah, you'd think that if Robertson's going to be out for the next, realistically, couple of months up till Christmas, that it is going to be Ragged and Ogilvy that, that take up the, a lot of the responsibility there. And you'd think that, yeah, you can't really recreate minutes on the pitch without having minutes on the pitch. So this is another reason I think it's important that we do settle on a formation and and stick with it, potentially the four at the back at the moment, because chopping and changing between four and three is going to slow down the process of the centre-back pairing or the centre-back trio getting those minutes together. So I think it is sensible if we are fairly consistent with formation, at least for the, the next couple of games, to give them that time.
0: Off messaging, and he says, "Can we make guess the XG a regular feature?" Well, of course you can, because it's time for
1: guess the XG. Most exciting part of the show, and it's back every time. Andy's on mute; he's ignoring it, obviously.
2: But I'm pre- I the, have the, 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 the impression that if um, if I pretend it doesn't happen, then it can't hurt me. So <laughs> I just I tend to just blissful ignorance everything like this. Um thanks for suggesting this, Joff. Really, really appreciate it. Um super, super grateful. Love him, love him.
1: Okay,
0: yeah,
1: view. right. Right uh, r- r- right, your your quiz. You have to guess what Pompey's XG was against Accrington Stanley.
2: I mean, Bunce is vaping, so I'll jump straight in. Um XG against Atkinson Stanley. Are we doing goals for and goals against X Just goals for. Just goals for. Okay, I don't want to make the game too exciting, Fred. I don't know if we can deal with it. Um, I will go with 3.2. I think I might be shooting a bit too high there. I might be going Icarus a little bit too close to the sun and getting my wings cut off or burnt off. But the quality of the chances that we created... It's definitely going to be higher than Accrington's. I'll go, I'll go 3.2. Bunce, if you go 3.19, you're a massive tosser, just by the way. Sorry? <laughs> Such an
0: ass. I went I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, right. I'm going to have a think about this. I'm going to say that Pompey's XG for the game was 2.2. It
1: is somewhere in the middle of both of you's. Pompey's XG was 2.68.
2: Oh, fuck off. Does Bunce win by 0.02? That is absolute bullshit. 2.68 2.
1: was the XG. Yeah, and the, it, and it, the, it, highest, the highest shot was Marcus Harness's had the highest XG. And Accrington scored their two goals from 0.94, which was brilliant. Not yeah. ideal in any way.
2: So if, if Bunce went 2.2 and I went 3.2, he's one point by 0.02.
0: By margins, mate, you know? You're either promoted or you're not. You either well, win I'm guess right. the XG or you shut lose. And today, shut the shut winner up. is me. You're a one. Pretty, I'm looking forward to playing this game every week. And uh, next time we'll do something more specific and quirky, which will really get out. Yeah,
1: I'll I'll, ke- like I'll, I'll keep my options open for guess the XG since it, since it's a well-regarded feature on this show now.
0: It is I'm, I'm
2: genuinely going to start drinking on Wednesdays. Midweek drinks is now going to be a thing just... This is on you, Joff. You're always drinking on a Wednesday. Don't try I and put it on, Joff. bloody outrageous. <laughs> Don't you try and try and about- say... No, bullshit. No, I'm not having this. You sit there making sarcastic, abusive comments about me eating fruit, mate. And it's not part of a PIMS. Like, bullshit. No, I'm healthy in the week. It all falls to bits at the weekend, but we're not We're not touching on that right now. But you, re- you realise I-, I drink water. I'm not, I'm not ever drunk on the pod. I haven't been drunk on the pod since
0: Kenny Jacket left. Thank you very much. You realise I cut the strawberries bit out of the last podcast. But anyway, let's move it on. Moving on. so
2: Can you tell I don't listen back?
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Juan. Even Andy doesn't listen to the podcast. All right, let's get into the game against Bolton. Bolton are a little bit in turmoil as well to be honest boys as well as us they're one of these teams that I think they haven't won in four games now ever since Ian Everett came out and said they're the best team in the league I think they've conceded nine goals in three games which I thought was interesting from a style perspective they've got quite a lot of issues off the field as well which we're going to come into in a minute it's one of those teams that they're here for the taking boys and I'm guessing they think we're here for the taking too they play quite a quite a passing sort of formation, a four, two, three, one formation. They'll try and get on the ball. They'd like to play with possession. Pompey needs to press them. If we press Bolton, don't give them time on the ball, and then play our game and implement it, I think we'll do quite well against them. Scraping a draw two all at home to Gillingham isn't inspiring me. They conceded four before. before. They're only other team I could see who are leaking goals in as well. Freddie, how do you feel about how we match up from a tactical perspective against Bolton? Because they are a team a bit like Ipswich that like to keep the ball, like to pass it round. Do you think we can match up better than we did against Ipswich, against Bolton?
1: I think they'll have to because, like you mentioned, Ian Everett loves his side to control control possession, play out from the back and be aggressive on the ball. They've got some excellent players, Oladipa Afalayan, who's scored seven goals already and has, and has moved central to replace Anthony Sarsovic, which we'll talk about later. I'd say that Affalion's is their biggest danger. And obviously, if you're on ex-Pompey player watch, obviously Aaron Dawes is going to score if he if he comes on, obviously, because for obvious reasons. But uh, a bolt under, very aggressive, but they're also leaky as well. With their three with at the back, they also have lots of gaps in their defence, a lot, a lot of areas out wide to exploit. So yeah, it's going to be about Pompey being able to match up with them as best as they can and try and control the game as best they can. Or they can either try and sit back on the counter-attack a bit and hope the stability of, their, of the back four helps, which I don't, think that, I don't think that's what Pompey will do. I think they'll just try and match them in midfield like, like they tried to do it against Ipswich but failed miserably.
2: Yeah, I think so, Fred. If you look at the last the last four games that they've played and and not won in, they've had majority of possession in every single one of those games, and I mean they've conceded what nine in three games, uh, four against Wigan at home, three against Plymouth away, and then two at home against Gillingham. So they are very leaky at the back. So I mean, there's if you look at those games, there is a, definitely a case to be made that potentially letting them have the ball isn't the worst thing in the world because it's what Wigan did and one four nil with only 40% possession. It's what Plymouth did and won 3-0 with only 40% possession. And it's what Gillingham did and, and Gillingham got points away from home with only 24% possession. Sort of caveat on that is that Gillingham went two up in the first 15 minutes and then obviously just completely sat back and and tried to see the game out unsuccessfully. They conceded two in the last five. Yeah, I I do think there's definitely a case to be made of the game plan of it being all right if Bolton have a lot of the possession and if you look at the last time they didn't have the majority of possession in a game, they, they won 4-1 away against Charlton. I mean, obviously everybody at the start of the season beat Charlton except us. It's not that much of a standout result, but possession against them isn't everything as demonstrated by a fairly decent sample size over the last seven games.
0: I think if you can force them out wide a little bit and stop their high-danger scoring chances, Bolton are actually can struggle to create them because I know they've got the most shots in the league. They've got 215 shots so far this season, which actually leads League One in total volume of shots. So they're one of those teams that I believe we can actually, if we can just stop them from getting those shot, those balls into the middle, they will try and play through balls. They will try and open teams up. But if you can sort of play that that style where you're solid we change to a back four rather than a back three, potentially we can we can stop them slotting those little balls forward It'll be quite important for the double pivot in this game, in my opinion. So morell and Williams, if they start together, I think it's really important that they get on the ball and impose themselves against that Bolton midfield, stop them playing the ball through dangerous areas and force them to make sort of like crosses into the box, which they like to do a little bit, you know, try and force them wide and then use what people like Raggett needs to come over and, and play the ball out as well. So I'm actually I'm actually quite confident, this, this, if, if I'm Danny Cowley, looking at this, this setup of Bolton have, that, that we can match up pretty well against them. Right. That's, that's my little bit of Bolton analysis, let's be honest. One thing I did have to say, though, is about Owen Doyle. Not a fan of the man. Um, I, I, the reason why is I bumped into him when he first signed for us at Wickham Wanderers, people who've listened to the podcast quite a lot. Well, back in the back for quite a while anyway, will realize his story, but for people who are new, I went over to him before the game, when we were playing Wickham at Wickham's ground and he gave, put his arm around me and he said, Hugh mate, after I chatted to him, I'm going to score loads of goals for Portsmouth. Well, unfortunately, and you didn't, did you mate? So I hope he doesn't score against us because you know i I had a lot of a lot of feelings that he was going to be a very good striker for us and it never really materialized did he say for
2: portsmouth did did he say for portsmouth or at portsmouth because he has scored quite a few at portsmouth for different clubs since he left so that's technically true
0: i mean i said i don't know what i said but for portsmouth was was what he said to me then it wasn't at portsmouth unfortunately I
2: think if he he misheard you slightly he might have just taken it the wrong way and now he's what, scored was it two for Oldham me scored a couple of years ago? and yeah, as Fred says, it's written in the stars a little bit, isn't it that uh, it's a, definitely a potential storyline for the afternoon that I look forward to seeing in a a write up Fred after the after the match is finished.
0: then again I did get <laughs> I did get a cracking selfie with him, so maybe I shouldn't be so harsh on the man fair enough uh,
1: that that your bust up with him is almost as big as Anthony Sas, which is bust up with you never apparently. If, if we're going to t- take that literally, for those who don't know, Anthony Sarsovic, Bolton captain, playmaker in the midfield, was one of their better players in their promotion season, and he's just fobbed it off to Stockport County on a free uh, mid-season, going straight down to the National League. From the reports in the Manchester Evening News, Ian never just basically said it was acrimonious and they moved on and... The new captain Ricardo Santos came out and said, "Oh yeah, it's a, it, it was a strange way to get the captain's armband, but the team's all together." But but it just seemed that seems to be half the story to me. There must have been bit, must have been something going on for him to just leave like that out of the blue.
2: Fred, for those of us without word of the day, toilet paper. What does acrimonious mean, please? Acrimonious. Well, well, you um, used the word, mate. So uh, if you don't don't use the word if you can't define it.
1: Uh, well, be, well, basically. More harmonious, or more, more chill than it. Oh, Fred, I can
2: see you typing on Google. I can see the hands
0: moving, the panic in your eyes. Andy, could you? Uh, would you mind firing over a definition of acrimonious, please?
2: Yeah, acrimonious is like. Well, I mean, I asked Fred the question, but as far as I know, it's sort of a. Uh, without wanting to use the word harmonious that Fred just did, it's sort of a more friendly environment, a happier, more calm, non-confrontational environment. I think if you have an acrimonious breakup, it's like a. Isn't it like a? What's the word? Where it's it's, break- a, it's it's a
1: breakup that wasn't awful. And wasn't yeah, it wasn't the It wasn't like aggressive.
2: It was like a sort of a friendly, mutual decision. There are no hard feelings. You're going to be friends in the long run. But it sounds like with in this case at, at Bolton, unless people are friends who potentially punch each other in the face, sue me. Uh, this doesn't sound like it was that acrimonious.
0: No, there are rumours they had a training ground bust up, which would sort of, you know, we don't know if that's true. Obviously, we were not on the training ground, but that would sort of make sense with the way that he's exited the club. But whose fault it was? I know Ian Everett's quite a sparky manager, really. I mean, he obviously, he was there under Barrelona, as people called him. He was at Barrow for a style of football, but he's got a lot to say as a manager. He's not, he's not the quiet type, so... Bolton being in the funny form who knows what it is but at the same time it's good for Pompey because he's a very good player in the middle there for Bolton right who says that we just don't provide football information we also provide dictionary stuff as well and you know words and that kind of stuff
2: sorry if we're having XG, we can absolutely have Fred doing dictionary corner he's almost as pretty as Susie Dent and I would 100% subscribe to, to another another feature
1: than... <laughs> A trainee journalist doing Dictionary Corner. Well, we'll have that in, shall we? I do <laughs> think, Fred, we
2: should pick a word every week that you have to use in one article. And we just have to hope that no one who actually employs you listens to the podcast, which I'm pretty sure they don't. Um, <laughs> I, don't I, I, I don't think they do, to be honest. <laughs> um, but we should pick a word that you have to throw in an article every single week. That could work. Or we could let people vote on it and just get in touch on Twitter. and just. I don't, I don't want to add to the stress, you. to be honest. Let the people control you, Fred.
0: And if you've got a word that you want Freddie to insert into his articles, at PO Forecast is the place to DM me on. Right, boys, let's get into the, into the meaty bit of the show, the bit that we always look back on and go, yeah, my prediction was spot on. Andy, what is your score prediction for the game on Saturday against Bolton?
2: 5-0 win, Curtis Hattrick, Harness one. Marquis one. Easy. Bolton are a mess. Quote me. Soundbite this for next week
0: after a 3-0 home defeat where we've all left at half-time. 5-0 uh, Pompey win. Easy, boys. Easy. That's definitely being sound-clipped and whacked on the internet. I love that, Andy. Thanks for making my life a lot easier on choosing a bit to to soundbite. Appreciate that. Freddie, do you share Andy's absolute blind confidence?
1: I do think the Accrington result is It's not an, anom- an anomaly. It's something to actually build off, I think. Bolton are a high-scoring side, so there's going to be goals in this game. I'm going to go for a 3-2 Portsmouth win. Oladapo have a scoring once for Bolton alongside Owen Door, because obviously. But Pompey's goal scorers. I'm going to go with Rico Hackett, Ronan Curtis, and John Marquis for the three Pompey goals, which will give Pompey a win at Fratton Park, which I haven't seen for a while.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I can see it now. I, I, I was going gonna... <sighs> to... I'm, I'm, I do think there's going to be goals in this game as well, but I'm going to go for a 3-1 Pompey win. Let's keep the positivity going here. Why not? I think Bolton are, are an absolute total mess at this moment in time. And I think if you look at the two games you played before, we are looking a bit better than them. Let, let's let's have it. 3-1. I'm going to go with Marcus Harness to get another one. Rico Hackett Fairchild and Ragger. you need to score a goal, mate. So this is the game. This is the game where he steps up from a corner, bangs them in. Bolton actually aren't very good aerially according to the stats. So I feel this could be the time to shine for Shawnee Raggett to get his goal. You're
1: actually going to put a bet on that here this time. Yeah, why not? Why not? I've got... Or or are we going to a bet on Lee from football, which we've all overlooked for scoring
2: a goal again? I think the odds odds on Lee from football are just not that desirable anymore because the man's actually started scoring quite prolifically. So it's not as much of a a long shot anymore we want someone who's at least you know 15, 16 to 1 anytime or first goal scorer go ragged first goal scorer um, and I'll take I'll take like Romeo first goal scorer or something
0: yeah why not he, he could come on the overlap he could come off his shin and go in no, no obviously I'm just joking around but I reckon it'll be good we we're all predicting a win boys that's good to see let's be honest let's hope our confidence here on Saturday isn't shattered by a, a bad performance and we come back from Frampton Park with three points All right, just before I close it off, if you want to code for Fan Hub, hit us up, DM me. A few people did that this week already. Cheers. I got back to you surprisingly quickly, you said, it's because I had my phone in my hand already. So that was why. Otherwise, it would have been really long, probably.
2: Yes, decent. Fan Hub now linked up with the Terrace as well for discounts on Pompey products online. Love a bit of product placement. I mean, we're not getting any financial benefit from this, but... There's actually some pretty decent stuff on the Terrace, to be honest with you, some sort of retro Pompey stuff on there, it's just bits of the merch. So it's worth checking out. But the Fan Hub app is, yeah, it's pretty decent, isn't it, lads, in terms of getting a, predictions in on a Saturday morning, checking in at the stadium, comparing who's got more points, essentially, who's a better fan. You know, that's that we all need metrics in life, don't we? Um, as to who is the better fan because we guess the lineup more closely. It's all about metrics. If I don't have numbers to back it up, I'm not interested. It's why. Freddie and I are so closely aligned with our belief systems, right, Fred? But yeah, FanHub is definitely worth installing. Free app, it's good off. Check it it's out. Big. ten thousand
0: members now. We're getting bigger. Ten thousand members. Yeah, basically, we're going to give away some free stuff. So keep keep tuned on that one, Freddie. It's been awesome having you on the podcast, dude. As always, welcome back.
1: Nice. It's been it's been really nice to be back on again. Thank you so much. Um, I think the only, the only thing I'd like to say left is I'd like to send my regards to Stanley Hopkins, the Moneyfields footballer who um, was stabbed at the pub car, car park in the red line. There's a, um, a crowd, uh, there's a fundraiser going on for him. Um, if you'd like to find that, you can find the news articles about that incident on the news website by Tom Cottrell and Simon Carter. So... Sending my best to the Hopkins family and everyone at Moneyfields for such a new situation. I thought that needs to mention on the show if people wanted to look at that. But thank you.
0: No, good shout, Fred. Good shout. And the last thing I want to say as well is people. So just to remind everyone for remembrance, there's going to be, they're going to be doing the last post at the game. Although I'm a big fan of the minutes applause, just generally, but other things, this is not the time it's the time for a minute silence so please observe that don't be that muppet he starts clapping i have to remind myself as well but yeah don't be that guy so so yeah just please be respectful guys and we all, we all know you will be because everyone listens to pod's awesome obviously so that's how it is all right until next time
2: right hang on this is twice this has happened thank you so for coming on the show fred really appreciate it love your time
0: oh sorry I got hey, to... bye everyone <laughs> sorry mate i got distracted by the very much more important let's be honest you're just like a magpie to be (laughs) honest mate like oh i'm
2: halfway through something oh a shiny thing oh okay better end the
0: pod now that is definitely what i'm like mate which is why i'm hosting it andy (laughs) it's been great having you on the pod mate (laughs) not buying it (laughs) not buying it come on andy you gotta do it we're recording the show mate you gotta gotta do it andy andy Andy. come on andy it's been great having you on the show
2: Thanks for having me, Hugh. Always a pleasure. Lovely to chat. Your hair looks good. Peaky blinders featuring Hugh Bunce. It's a strong look.
0: Lovely to see you, my friend. Thanks, Feli. Yeah, and I'm going to some sort of party dressed up, so hopefully that doesn't carry on my look. But anyway, guys, until next time, play out Pompey. You have been listening to the po forecast for Pompey News Now, available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO forecast at Pompey News now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full time whistle.